The following is a Klabes Online production. Lunch with Klabes and Joe on ClabesOnline.com. And a good Monday afternoon to you. This is Lunch with Klabes and Joe here on ClabesOnline.com, live on Facebook and on Twitter. I am Joe Roderick, joined alongside by Mike Claiborne. What's going on, Klabes? How are you doing? All good. Ready to get the week off on the right foot, considering how it ended wasn't very strong. So I'm looking forward to this week. You got a uh, you got a lot going on uh, this week. Want to mention that this show is powered by Ameren, Illinois, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota. As we, uh, I want to get into the baseball talk here in a bit, but first, Claves, a uh, St. Louis, the sports scene in St. Louis, took a uh, another blow last night as we learned of the uh, the passing of Greg Marasek, a guy that you have known for uh, for a very very long time and. I've been uh, very close with his family for uh, the past decade here in uh, in St. Louis. Um, I uh, I didn't get to know Greg as well as uh, many people in the St. Louis area have. I, I think he was smart enough to get out of the AM sports radio business <laughs> before I got in, before I arrived in November of 2009. But his son, John, is uh, one of my uh, very best friends. And I, uh, I I feel for the family and, and everyone that's uh, that's close to them, but I know you uh, you worked for Greg for many years. Oh yeah, Greg and I go back to the mid '80s uh, when he had the rights to St. Louis U basketball and put Bob Ramsey and I together uh, to do Billiken basketball. But I, I knew Greg even before that when he was with uh, uh, the newspapers, and I can't think of the name of the newspaper off the top of my head. He was heavily involved community wise. Love Webster Groves. But he was the third guy who took on the all-sports format. Uh, Rich Gray started it. Uh, then he went on to a combination of Bob Birch and Karen Carroll. And when they sold it to Greg, he gave it a local flavor. I mean, you know, it was locally owned and operated and uh, really took us to a new level with regard to a facility and, and just some ideas. And uh, he, he was a wonderful person to work with. Uh, and, and, and amusing in his own way because Greg had these interesting ideas on how to do things. But when it was all said and done, he was just a, just a wonderful person. He really cared about people and uh, he really wanted that all sports format to work. As I said to somebody earlier today, he might be the only guy that's ever made any real money out of when he sold it to those jokers <laughs> in Atlanta and everybody's been bailing water ever since. But uh, just a huge contributor to St. Louis, a big fan of St. Louis and, and the sports and the history in St. Louis. And uh, I consider him a good friend. Didn't see him as much as I would like to. I think the last time we crossed paths was at the one, two, three luncheon for the holidays. But uh, he will be sorely missed. Uh, we won't have many guys like Greg Marasek to follow. No, very influential in the uh, St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame um, each and uh, he every created year. Yeah, yeah. He's he's been behind that and behind uh, behind many many things. And I've uh, I've never heard a bad thing about him throughout the years. And uh, you know, given all of the uh, different management and owners that I've seen in St. Louis sports uh, talk over the years, that's uh, that's something you don't see these days. Uh, yeah. Too much of. Trader Greg is what he was called because he trade out inventory for this or that. And uh, he was a really shrewd businessman. I, and I, I appreciated what he did for me in my career. That's a, that's a good way to go about it. It's, uh, it's one, if you could figure out how to trade some things uh, and get some things back, that's a, uh, that's a good way to, uh, to get some things taken care of in, uh, in this business. Uh, so our, our condolences to the entire 
Marisek family on uh, on their loss. I know John posted a few different places the details, and uh, we'll follow up with some of the other details uh, as the uh, as the days go on with uh, with that. So. Uh, yeah, Greg Marisak passes away last night. Uh, moving on to the uh, to the world of sports, the Cardinals also had a loss in their uh, in their family as well as it was announced last night that their uh, one of their scouts, Charles Peterson, uh, passed away. Did you know him at all? Just knew him a little bit. Knew more of his reputation in baseball. Uh, a very well respected baseball man. Also was a uh, football coach as well in his uh, hometown in South Carolina. And, uh, you know, if people don't think this COVID thing is serious and, and we'll get into this about parents, well, I got to let little Johnny play. He can't, you know, he, he, he got it being at a, at a showcase event recently and, you know, a bunch of kids playing baseball. He got it there and uh, went in the hospital, never came out, but, uh, a very integral guy to what the Cardinals are all about. As a matter of fact, our first round draft choice this year was his guy. And uh, he's done some really good things within the organization. He's going to be definitely missed. Yeah, he. Um, that was the uh, news coming out last night. The Cardinals, as I mentioned, have a very big week ahead of them. Coming off, losing two out of three to the Reds in, in a playoff push that they're in. It's to start off the way it was Friday, it, it was bad enough. You know, it was, it was not a good way to start the weekend. But then they come back on Saturday we see glimpses of what we saw from the team Thursday with the power hitting back on display. And then to get off such a good start on Sunday and see it unravel the way that it did. Do you worry that this is something that could knock this team off the, the momentum that they were slowly starting to build, especially 10 games against the Brewers to end the season is, is this is, this is what it comes down to all these other games, all the first 39 games of the season, they don't matter anymore. It, you have 10 games left against the Brewers, and that's going to that's gonna determine if they make the postseason. Well, you're right, and I, I am concerned, but, you know, when you're a 500 team, that's, that's who you are, and you have your highs and your lows, and you keep thinking that, okay, we get a couple going here. We might be able to pull off a streak. Well, that also works in the other way. Well, boy, here we go again. And, and you know, when you go back and forth like the Cardinals have, it's really hard to – to have a feel one way or the other. And the same thing can be said for the Milwaukee Brewers. They are a neutral team right now, and they're trying to find their way. And just like you said to, about this being a huge series for the Cardinals, it's huge for Milwaukee too, and they've shown no ability to be able to overtake anyone. So it, it's going to be a challenge because your pitching is getting a little thin. You're not getting anything from your outfield, and uh, you have relied on maybe three or four people to produce on a regular basis, and that's going to take a lot more than that if you want to find yourself not only in postseason, but trying to have an impact in the postseason. Yeah, the uh, we saw Austin Dean return to the lineup the other day, had a very, very good Saturday, but then goes over on on Sunday. As you mentioned, I, I was looking, you know, the other day, Lane Thomas, everybody was was hoping he would be that spark. He's hitting about 180. Harrison Bader still hasn't seemed to find it. All of his home runs this year have come off the Reds. You don't play the Reds anymore <laughs> this year. You, you got to figure it out against uh, one of the other teams. Dylan Carlson, uh, he you know, gets sent back to Springfield. Dexter Fowler, who knows if we're going to see him again this year and how that's going to work with his immune system right now. Tyler O'Neill hitting under 200. 
at some point you need to find somebody that that's going to have a bat that's going to play one of those outfield positions. And, you know, we've talked about it plenty, a 60 game season. You can't give a guy a week to figure it out. You can give him maybe two days, three days to figure it out. And with the stretch coming up, somebody's got to figure it out quick. Yeah. And I don't know if that somebody's even here. Um, the only other guy with big league experience or at least a potential that be a big leaguer is Justin Williams, who's still in Springfield. Uh, other than that, you don't have anything else. You can't make a trade. You can't sign a free agent. You're just stuck. And I don't know what's going to change between now and the end of the season, considering we've, we've had enough of a sample size, in my opinion, to know what you have. And, you, and in my opinion, you, you may not have enough. Yeah, the, the pitching, by the way, you take the hit. Gio uh, Gallegos, probably done for the year. Probably not going to see him. Uh, I mean, that, that injury he suffered, you're looking well into the first, second week of October before he might be able to, uh, to come back. But KK does return today. So that's a uh, that's a positive. Is he starting one of the games of the doubleheader? So hopefully that's that's another arm you can you can add to that list. I, I guess. Yeah, uh, you know you've got here are you guys you've got Hudson, Flaherty, Wainwright, KK, Oviedo will hopefully be back this week as well. So you got five. So who did I leave out? Carlos who you may have to move back to the bullpen to help out with help Ryan Helsley and Andrew Miller and Tyler Webb because you might shorten that bullpen up a little bit right now. And Carlos is long enough lengthwise where he could go there and still be effective. So with the bullpen start, we may see down the road as well. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts right now uh, in trying to figure out this pitching staff. And uh, I'm going to leave it in the hands of Mike Maddox and, and Mike, Mike Schilt. They've done a really good job at this so far. And, uh, you know, it's not like they got a lot of alternatives right now. I, uh, Brian Hoffman sent me this stat as uh, Ponce de Leon is set to pitch game two. He's 0-7 as a starter, 17 starts into his career. If he suffers a loss or a no decision tonight, he will uh, go into fifth place of the longest such streak to start a career without a win. It's so surprising. Mean, you think back to the first start he ever made. When he yeah. had that no-hitter going deep into the game, to think that he has not been able to put together five, six innings and leave the game with the team winning, it's it's some of it is bad luck. Yeah, it is. But the other issue is he still has to figure out how to deal with adversity and pitch out of trouble. I mean, Ponce is his own worst enemy as far as just throwing too many pitches too early in the game. Uh, he's got good stuff, but man, you know, once he has a hiccup behind him, it just doesn't go well for him. And that's something he's got to deal with internally. Uh, physically, he's got major league stuff, but he has been able to find a block that prevents him from moving forward. He's got to be able to get through it, get around it, get over it, get under it, whatever, but he's got to be on the other side of it. How are you looking at the postseason race right now? When you look at you those standings, because every team yeah. is playing their own th yeah. their their own area, their own division, so it's hard to kind of look out there and you know you, we have no idea how the Cardinals would stack up against teams in the West. Or the no, East you're right. right now. And, and you know one of the things that comes with that is uh, familiarity, as you mentioned, but also this is a division I thought was going to be pretty strong, and it's very weak. 
So you don't know if that means they're too familiar with each other. And if they step out, maybe they can put it together. Although you got a very short window, you've got three games in the first round to try and figure something out and you're going to do it on the road, but you know, who cares about the road at this point? So it, it's, it's a, a real challenge. I think to, to know what you are once you leave postseason and be it, this is such a unique postseason. Uh, I, I just think, man, you, you just got to get in. And then here's the key. Now here's the one key though. I think we're starting to see some players who are ready to go home. Okay, they've made the, just about all the money they're going to make. I mean, their last game check will be tomorrow. Are you talking and, about players that are still in the playoff hunt, or are you yeah. talking overall players? Everybody, everybody, everybody. And you know, let's say if you're a team that's on the cusp and you're barely playing well, and you limp into postseason, you might just say, you know, I'm I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go home and start over again. And then you got some other guys say, hey, look, we're here. We might as well try and win it. So you got to figure out which one of those guys is going to be helpful to you. And the guy who isn't, you know, you got to do something about them. And, and there are teams that have, I can guarantee you, there's most of these teams in baseball have at least one guy who's ready to go home. Ready to go. He's got his money. He's not going to make any more unless he gets in the postseason and he shares money out of a pool. And who knows how long that's going to be for three games or the World Series. So I think it's more of a mental makeup now on how this postseason is going to work more than a physical one. And that's, I mean, something I'm looking at the Brewers right now. Brewers are four games under 500 mm -hmm. going into this five game series against the Cardinals this, uh, this week. That's a team that right now they, they are on the cusp of making one of those eight spots in the postseason. The Brewers team, team you're seeing this week could be completely different than the Brewers team you're seeing next week. You have to assume, I, I would think that with the Cardinals schedule between playing, what is it? Kansas city and Pittsburgh in between the, uh, the, these two Milwaukee series, the Cardinals should be there till the very end. Well, if hold on. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. You're talking about Kansas city and Pittsburgh last check, Kansas city took two out of three from the Cardinals in St. Louis and the Pirates came in and took a double header. So I don't think we can take anyone for granted at this point, as far as their record is concerned, uh, especially Kansas City. So let, let's take the tradition and the history, and let's throw it out of the window, because I don't think it applies now. I really don't. I, I think you have to look at each situation individually, because there's just too many things that tell me that just because of the, they have Royals on their jerseys or Pirates, I don't think we can take them for granted. I mean, the Cardinals would be well over 500 if they just did their business against Kansas City and Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm just I'm looking at Pittsburgh being 14 and 30 right now. And I'm thinking at the the last week of the season, you're just you're assuming they they're shutting it down till the end. You're you're assuming that they're but you're you're right. And I and that brings me to when you're talking about the way this team is set up or the way this team's playing. At what point do you start looking at 2021? Is I'm there anybody? Is there anybody that you could bring up and you could? I mean, you no. mentioned Justin Williams. Is there anybody else that you no. could sit down in Springfield? That you I'm could looking look out, at? I'm looking outside the organization in 2021. I've seen everything that was going to be ready this year. Okay, there's a couple of kids that they didn't show us: uh, Montero, uh, Nolan Gorman, Libertor, a couple of other guys who maybe a year away. They and you knew Libertor and Gorman, you knew there was probably and no way they were going to play this fine. year. Yeah. But we've seen just about everybody else. 
Uh, so, and I now know that I'm going to have to look around. I got to figure out the outfield. I can't come back with the same outfield. Uh, I got to make a decision about third base. I got to find out if there's going to be a DH. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that, that the Cardinals and a lot of teams like the Cardinals are going to have to figure out in this offseason. They've already canceled the general manager meetings, which, you know, they can do on Zoom. That's not a big issue. The winter meetings, that's just a place for the agents to gather. But I think the Cardinals are going to have to be quick, but also cautious because this will be the last year of the collective bargaining agreement in 21. So who knows what 22 may have in store. So you have to be conscious of the fact you don't want to be long-term committed to a contract that you may not be able to get the most out of because of a potential lock lockout. So a, a lot of things are going on, but I think the Cardinals have to be one of the busiest teams in baseball this offseason. And then yeah. here's the other question. Who's out there? Who's out there that's a difference maker at the right price, and whether it's players or money that you're going to have to spend as a free agent or as trade as a as a trade prospects? I mean, I just don't know. As of and that's with the trades that they made to get Goldschmidt and to get Ozuna recently. I'm trying to think what pieces are out there. Uh, we've already uh, Oviedo seems to be part of the future. Yes. So he's not going to be traded. You got to think Gorman and Libitor probably aren't going anywhere either, right? Unless, I mean. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, you've got a couple other third basemen in the organization um, that you could look at. You know, they're, they're, again, Joe, there's a lot of balls in the air with this team. A there whole are. lot of balls right now as far as what are you going to look like in 2021. And here's something else that goes into it. You have to have an attractive team because next year, if we are allowed to have fans, you're going to have to fight for them because we're seeing all over sports that uh, fans have shown not as much interest as you would think from a TV rating standpoint. And until there's some legitimate safety guaranteed with regard to COVID, they're not coming to the park in, in droves like they you would expect them to. So, what do you do to make yourself attractive? Do you have a team that swings the bat well and is exciting, steals some bases, does things that make people want to watch? Or do you just say, well, we're going to try and beat everybody two to one? Yeah, this, the, the last two days, and I was this was something I was talking with Hoffman about uh, before we did one of the shows with Polo, is you saw the glimpses, and I mentioned this earlier, you saw the glimpses on Thursday with the five home runs and the doubleheader. You saw Saturday with the home runs there. And it had me wondering if it was bad pitching or yes. if something had changed. No, and yes. it, yeah, and that's and, and that was his answer too. And that was, yeah. you know, that I, I go to him when I need the stats and when I need to to look at the the I guess the saber metrics of uh of the things. And that's what I was wondering if this was a team that was slowly trying to turn themselves into like a Minnesota Twins type of team where it's going to be just play for the long ball. And so far, I mean, this team swings and misses way too much to do that. Yeah, I mean, the, their whole philosophy would have to change. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know they want to be a team that hits in the gap and runs the bases and things like that. But, you know, Joe, they just don't have it. They just don't have that kind of makeup. And, and the people they were depending on have not been able to produce. And I guess you could say, well, you know, you got to look at the season. Well, we were looking at last season and the season before. And it was the same result. And you would have thought there would have been a better result this year, and it hasn't come about yet. I mean, 
you know, the, is there two weeks left in the schedule where they can all of a sudden catch fire? Yeah, there's two weeks worth of games, but I don't know what's showing you the feeling like, okay, they're going to snap out of it. There just hasn't been the consistency you were looking for. They have, uh, as I, I'm looking here, four doubleheaders. Is that right? Four doubleheaders the uh, the rest of the year. So one thing that uh, that Polo and I have been talking about is there hasn't been a true set one through nine yet this year. No. I do think a lot of that has to do with the doubleheaders because you're you are mixing and matching a lot in those uh, in those games. So as you uh, as you come down the stretch run here, you're still probably not going to have that set one through nine by the time you you do get into October. Well, even if that's the case, and, you know, there's a lot of teams that don't go one through nine set anymore because you're looking for, as you mentioned, matchups and versatility and things of that nature. But when it's all said and done, there hasn't been a good one through nine on this team this year because they haven't been good enough. No. I mean, the bottom of the order has just been a black hole right now. And until you figure that out, and uh, unfortunately, it's three outfielders for the most part, until you figure that out, you got some problems. And if you do get into postseason play, you're going to be easy to pitch to. You're going to be very easy to pitch to. And that's something the Cardinals uh, are going to have to try and deal with between now and the end of the year. And I don't know how they do it. And when you count up the rest of the games on the schedule, it only puts the Cardinals at 57. Have you heard anything about those final games, if they're going to well, try to do anything with that? Yeah, if if somebody is a, has a chance to catch the Cardinals, guess what? We're playing. Yeah. We're going to play in Detroit. And uh, Is that who it is? Is that yeah, the Tigers? Detroit. Okay. Yeah, so um, they can find themselves on the road the last two games of the season. Maybe they play a doubleheader and get it over with. Uh, now that might be an interesting scenario because Detroit at one point thought they were having a chance to climb in it and maybe they would be one of the teams that would be trying to climb in. So it, it just really depends on the scenario and how things shake out. But I get the feeling uh, because the Cardinals haven't shown me any indication that they're going to pull away from anybody that those last two games are going to mean something. Yeah, and, and you did just have uh, a few more games canceled over the weekend. San Diego and San Francisco had uh, had games postponed due to yeah. COVID, but they're back on the field playing there. Uh, Lou Brock's funeral this uh, this weekend. Before we move away from the Cardinals, I, I saw a lot of good Mike Shannon stories from the uh, from the funeral. Any uh, any other tidbits or stories you want to share? Yeah, I, you know, <clears throat> I thought Bob Kendrick from the Negro League Museum who came over did a phenomenal job in talking about Lou and his impact and Buck O'Neill. Uh, a lot of good things said about a great man. Uh, and, you know, I was just glad to know him as long as I did. And, you know, it was, it was a good way. It was a good send off for sure. It, uh, it, it's been fitting as, you know, we recorded most of the, uh, the stuff with you and Kamish. We recorded that at the beginning of the month uh, or at the end of August, I should say. And I think we, this, since uh, Lou Brock has passed away, I, I think four of the memories have included Lou Brock stories hmm. when we do this day in Cardinal history. The one that's up today is a double header between the Cardinals and the Cubs from 1961 where Lou Brock played in his second game as a Chicago Cub in the uh, in the game, so it's just been fitting that his uh, memories of you know historic milestones with stolen bases have been popping well, up, and then uh, and then a game is Lou Brock as a Cub. Wait until we get to October. Yeah, yeah. All I, the things he did in in twenty one games, he hit three ninety one. He had four home runs. He stole fourteen bases. 
Uh, he was everything. So yeah, wait till October. We'll have some more Luke Brock highlights. You're uh, you're watching lunch with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com. We are driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota. They uh they they gave Polo a new forerunner. Claibs because wow. I, uh, they sold the last one that he was driving around, and I guess Polo already has his eyes on uh his, he he calls it his playoff car that he wants for the <laughs> uh for the Cardinals postseason run that he's uh, that he's already put a request in for, and then Polo told me the other day that uh, I guess they have extended him and Benji for the going uh, on the cruise, yeah. For yep. the next two uh, next two seasons, so Polo's already talking to me about what car he could uh, he could get from Munganass in the 2021 season, and now Benji wants one too because Benji's jealous. So that's well, uh, Benji knows a guy, so that, that that's what I'm saying. Yeah. This is this is what I'm dealing with now behind the uh, behind the scenes of hey, everything listen, that you're the, seeing on Klaibs online. The next thing you have to deal with Polo's agent, I'm sure. I'm You'll have a representative. It hasn't gotten to that point yet. Yeah, yeah well, I, I, I really won't, I won't take his calls if it comes to that. You're <laughs> on your own. You, he may be lost to see you on the next cruise if that's the case. I know Polo's getting ready to land back in California any minute. Uh, he and I will be recording what's in the cards uh, after that for today, just for the uh, for the doubleheader, and then every day for the uh, for the rest of the season with uh, with that. Um, hey, uh, football this weekend. I gotta say. This was the first Sunday, NFL Sunday, in five years that I have not had to do a show on an NFL Sunday to just sit down right at noon, have the Red Zone channel going, and just sit there. I didn't know what to do with myself this uh, this past week, so it was really, really nice yesterday to just enjoy week one of the NFL season. What did you think of the play? I was very surprised with the fact that it seemed like the offense – was ahead of the game with the defense with not having mm-hmm. any preseason with not having not being able to have any kind of practices against other organizations like we see a lot during the uh d- during the preseason or training camps i was very surprised with how how it seemed like most of the offenses were uh were, were well-oiled machines for the most part well, I, I think you make a good point. I, I think what what you also saw was what happens when in in practice, you can't go full bore defensively and start laying guys out and your, your timing's going to be off. And I think they probably need another week to just be in real football shape and the ability to have timing and be able to actually tackle compared to tap a guy on the shoulder pads and say you're it. So, yeah, the offense was a little bit ahead. Um, I thought the offense was pretty good with regard to them not taking bad penalties as far as jumping offside and – you know, it looked like guys were running pretty good routes. I, and I agree with you. I think the offense was slightly ahead, but I think you're going to see some some adjustments each week for at least the next three weeks. Yeah, as far as the, the penalties, the false starts, the offsides uh, on the front line, I, I do wonder how much of a difference it was not having the fans in the, uh, in the yeah. crowd. Because seeing that and looking at that, it was so – it really – I mean – it's just eerie to look at that and see that there's these mm-hmm. stadiums with nobody at all in uh, inside them. No, I agree. I think that's an ex- excellent point you make. And, you know, some athletes feed off of the crowd and, and the noise and everything else. And, you know, you could literally hear, you could almost hear guys calling plays in huddles. It was so quiet. So it, it's something I think we're going to have to get used to for a bit. 
But I, I thought overall the, the quality of play was not as bad as maybe some anticipated. But, again, I'm a guy that gives the season four weeks before I have my flag day, so to say. Was there a, was there a debut of anybody that you saw making a debut either as a rookie or with a new team that uh, that really stood out to you? Brady with the uh, with the pit two picks, the one pick six. You had uh, Joe Burrow. He was one that really uh, surprised me with how yeah. well he played. Yeah, I thought Burrow played well. Uh, I thought Cam Newton played well. I thought Cam Newton really managed the game well for New England. Um, you know, then there there then there are teams that they are who they are. It's always going to be Detroit. It's always going to be Cleveland. Uh, and they, they'll always have the inability to get out of their own way. Um, but when you look around, I thought everybody else was reasonably good. Uh, I don't think we had many real upsets with regard to somebody saying, whoa, this team is really impressive. I think everybody who won probably won because they were the better team instead of being a fluke. And I know some people might say, well, a guy drops a ball in the end zone in Detroit. As I just mentioned, it's Detroit. And then you had the pass interference call against Dallas. You know, that could have gone either way. But when you look overall, I thought it was a, a reasonable first weekend of the season. You look at how uh, Cincinnati lost their game yesterday. Yeah, Joe Burrow drives them down to the field. They they call offensive pass interference on AJ Green, and they they think that they're just going to go out there and play for overtime. And Randy Bullock, the kicker, I guess pulled a hamstring, and if he didn't, he did a great job of pretending like he pulled I, a hamstring. I, would, I have ice on it for the rest of the week for sure. Yeah, <laughs> just, maybe just to make sure I get another week to kick. Maybe sit out week two and uh, and hope that uh, nobody steals your job. Well, the, I got news for you. Tomorrow, there'll be a ton of kickers in Cincinnati trying out. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, speaking of uh, bad starts, so we're doing the NFL picks uh, segment. Uh, we're sending them out there. So it's me, you, uh, Frank, Frank's producer, Brian Hoffman, and my co-host, Andy Hanselman. Uh, you and Frank are in the lead after week one with a, a record of two and three. Wow, I didn't think I was that good. Yeah, I you mean, were. Uh, I what saved you was you being the only one that picked the Bears to win. Yeah, and you know what? That was the one I really was going to hedge on. I said the Bears are going to do me in like they always do. But again, um, yeah. you think about who they were playing. Yeah, and, we uh, and, and I, here's a question for you. You know, like Matt Patricia is going. He's you know I, it'll be interesting to see if he survives the season because they're going no place fast. No, and they uh, they have a good quarterback. They they brought in a veteran uh, running back in Adrian Peterson who didn't uh, you know had had a decent game there. But that's I mean that's just one of those teams that every now and then they'll surprise you and make the playoffs at nine and seven or ten and six mm -hmm. and go right back into being bad. Yeah, um, they'll be an interesting team to watch in in, in their growth and how long will they give Patricia. Uh, Monday night football makes well first before we get to Monday night football Sunday night football last night how much of that did you watch to see uh, I watched some of it yeah you know um, I think I told you I, I remember when the building when the stadium was being built and uh, I was in awe of the size of it and to see the finished product from TV was impressive uh, I also found it embarrassing that the best the Rams could do with a uniform change was go out and put on practice uniforms. I mean, their uniforms are so nondescript. If you're into that sort of stuff, I thought it was kind of a joke. Um, the, the patch that says Los Angeles Rams on it, that's that's the part of the that's, uniform. That's like, that's me. Yeah, it's like an art class. It's like somebody in third grade put that together. 
Yeah, it's I, like they I put just, the whole uniform together, and they're like, "Wait a second, we're not sure which team yeah, this is." Let's, let's, let's write remind everybody who we are. We are. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I, I wasn't a big fan of that, uh, but you know, it, it it's the NFL. I mean, they it's 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 always going to have some issues. Yeah, and I mean, I get it. You know, the stadium. First of all, they shouldn't be patting themselves on the back for the amount of times they said yesterday that it was a five billion dollar stadium, bragging like that's a good thing. Not yeah, once they not right. once they mention the proposed three billion dollar stadium that turned into a five billion dollar stadium. Not right. once did they mention that. Not once did they mention the fact that it was supposed to be opened last year and it was delayed and not open until this year. And many other things that uh, that were not mentioned. Seeing I mean, and that's the thing. I it was upsetting to see Al Michaels talking about it as much as he was. But I get it. Al Michaels is an LA guy. You're telling me he's not, he doesn't love the fact that he doesn't have to get on a plane anymore to fly to the, some of these Sunday night games that he could just drive there. I, I get or that. Or be limo there. Right. What I'm looking forward to is the first time the Rams play the, uh, the game of the week on Fox and we get Joe Buck saying some stuff about it because Joe Buck's been known to take a few shots. And yeah. I think that he will. He, he, he might, but you know, as, as we look back and we we cry on our milk here in St. Louis, rightfully so, it was a very good business decision on the surface for Stan Kroenke. It was his method and how he did it is what I think leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth because he had us chasing our tail here thinking that if we build him a stadium, he was going to stay. And we learned that that was just a big pile of you know crap you know where it was never going to happen. And I think that's the thing. We we felt deceived more than anything else. Uh, you know, is he going to make money off this stadium? I don't know. I mean, $5 billion is a lot of money to try and get back. I don't care what the naming rights are, and I don't care how many events you have. But, you know, when you look at it, you say, well, it is a pretty nice little setup. And, and St. Louis couldn't couldn't have done anything close to that. No. All right? No. We, we're talking about an open-air stadium on the riverfront. I mean, who does that anymore? I mean, it's just – I just – I get it. I just didn't. I just didn't agree with the process. Right, and uh, yeah, you know, eventually, you and I probably will both have our chances to go there and see some kind of event there, and you know, we'll we'll walk around, we'll look at everything, and just be in awe of of everything that it is. And it was, you know, the way it was built was was shady. And by the way, I had Steve Weich on my show this weekend of the NFL Network, who is a St. Louis guy. Um, was it Parkway? I think, yeah, I think yeah, Parkway, Parkway guy. Yeah. And I asked him about that. I asked him if the NFL network is ever going to eventually cover the upcoming lawsuits, the trial here in St. Louis. And the one thing he said is that right now it's just a regional issue. It's just a St. Louis issue and it's probably not going to be covered. I agree. But the second that Jerry Jones or Roger Goodell or Stan Kroenke are called in and there's some sort of decision made. He said, depending on the decision or what the discovery process finds, he said that that would open it up and that would make it a national story. Yeah. But here's the thing. You got to understand that the NFL network, which is owned by the NFL, isn't going to make a big, bigger stink about this. If they don't have to, it's going to have to be a network mm -hmm. or some outlet that doesn't have a relationship with the NFL. Yeah. So that that excludes ABC, CBS, ESPN, NBC, 
uh, it's going to have to be somebody else who's going to have to really roll it out there. And I just don't know if anybody really, as he mentions, really cares. Yeah. And that's, I mean, the NFL network is going to be based at that stadium. So yeah. <laughs> they're, you know, they, they, I think they're also paying what, maybe a dollar for rent uh, a year or two yeah, some, or whatever it is silly. that uh, Dean Spanos is, is paying. Are you, uh, how much of the Monday night football are you going to watch tonight? I'm going to try and get, well, obviously I've got some Cardinal baseball to tend to, but I'm going to sneak a peek at it. Uh, you know, um, new Monday night crew, Lewis Riddick, Steve Levy, two guys that I know fairly well. And uh, who's the other guy? I'm trying to think who it is that's uh, that they brought in, but they have the two games going too. So yeah. they have the uh, this is 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 it Mike Greenberg doing the second game like he usually does? I believe have... so. Okay, I was gonna say they usually have him uh, do that. But I, I'm not sure. Well, then who again, it... I have no idea. You know, I guess I'm gonna have to tune in and watch. But right. you know, one one of the things about it, you know, while we make this big deal about the announcers, so they're on camera for what three minutes. Before the game, maybe yeah. uh, Brian minute, Greasy. Minutes. Yeah, Joe, Brian Greasy. Uh, so, Joe, uh, Ted, no, Joe Testor was last year, but yeah, Brian Greasy's on there. Yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, so they're on camera for, let's say, eight minutes total. And we make this big deal about them every year. Uh, the content that they provide internally is something obviously we'll pay attention to. But, you know, I don't know if it has the impact on the game like it used to as far as the impact of – you know, I can't wait to see Howard Cosell butcher somebody or I can't wait to hear the insight of Dan Deardorff or Frank Gifford or Al Michaels or people like that. So it, it because we have so many more games, we have so many more national games. So it doesn't have the impact, but it's always interesting to hear new faces and new angles and how networks want to push a game. And, you know, knowing Lewis, as I do, uh, he's his own guy and he's a very observant individual. He's a good player in college, had a decent career in the NFL, but was a really smart guy and understood X's and O's and how management worked as well. So I'm anxious to see what he's got to say. Brian has been more of a college guy. Uh, so it'll be nice to see a different insight. And Steve Levy has done a lot of things at ESPN. I mean, he might be the second long, second most tenured guy there. I can't think of who the first one is, but Levy's been there for a while. And Kenny Maine, Linda Cohn. Linda Cohn might be in the clubhouse with the league. Yeah. But but I don't think there are many people beyond what Steve has done since he's been there. I'm trying to – I think it's uh, – I, I believe game two tonight is Kurt Herbstreet and Chris Fowler. I like that. I like that kind. I think Kirk Herbstreet's one of the best analysts that we have in sports. Um, yeah. He does. He's very well prepared. Uh, an interesting guy who had to leave his hometown because of the pressure of his job and how the, he was treated by Ohio State fans. Got a couple of kids at Clemson playing for Dabo. Uh, and he's a good man. He's, he does a good job. And I, I know I'll probably try and catch some of his work tonight as well. What did you think of his comments uh, last week on the College Game Day show? Well, it was it was emotional for sure, and I felt it, and I appreciated it. And listen, um, the only way we're going to get things changed and, and get things going, we have to have people who don't look like me take a real interest. And, and Kirk obviously has, and his voice resonates more than mine. And, and here's the best example. Colin Kaepernick took a knee a couple, three years ago. It took Drew Brees a white quarterback to tell everybody that this is not about the flag. 
taking a knee is not about the flag and disrespecting the flag for the rest of the world say hey you're right and for the hardheads and the and the people who won't ever acknowledge that the people who are more common sense thinkers said okay i see what you mean now but it took drew Brees to say what kaepernick and everybody else has been saying well before he said it so we have to have people like herb street and breeze get involved in, in, in the conversation and trying to help things move forward so i had no problem with it i did have an issue well i know chipotle would have an issue he said his kids are safer at clemson than they would be at a chipotle uh I, you see, I, I got a different slant about this whole COVID thing. And and I, you and I have shared it about, you know, would you let my kids would not be playing anywhere. OK, because we just don't know. And while I'm I, I'm I'm amused by how many people who we have on TV or radio show who want us to play. And you say, well, wait a minute. You know, this is how you make a living, right? You You definitely want them to play. You know, whether it's a coach or an athletic director, whatever, yeah, they want to play because that's how they make a living. And I get it. And I make a living at it. But I am also cognizant of the fact that, you know, this is not necessarily we don't have everything we need to know. And I'll give you a good example. You know, I know this Sam Page out in the county is catching a lot of heat. Now, you know, I don't know Sam Page. Didn't vote for him. But I did understand that, you know, he's getting information from somewhere to give him the reason on why he thought it was a good idea to shut things down. Now, maybe if Sam Page divulge and share that information with people, maybe they'd have a better understanding. But I don't think a guy would want to be asshole of the month by shutting schools down or shutting sports down if he didn't have a pretty darn good reason. Yeah. I mean, everybody likes to be liked, so there must be more to it. But we have so many people who are rushing to judgment when they don't even have enough information. The experts, the so-called experts, don't have enough information. So um, it, it's a very challenging situation in our society that we have to come to grips with. And for people who feel like, well, my kids can't play, they won't get a scholarship. Let me give, let me be clear on two things here. If your kid was any good, he wouldn't be chasing a scholarship. A scholarship would be chasing him. If you feel like your kid hasn't been getting any exposure, well, maybe he's not a guy that's worthy of that level. And maybe you ought to think about some other ways to get his name out there if you think it's that important. And, and, and more importantly, you know, we get caught up in this thing so much and it's like, damn, the torpedoes full speed ahead. And we have to think about this. Uh, I'd rather have my kid around me and alive for a long, long time compared to running the risk of him getting a scholarship and something go wrong until I have more information that gives me a greater comfort level. And right now I don't. Yeah. And I know that's hard for some parents to deal with. I, I get it. But I just think if you want your kid to be safe and you want your kid to have an opportunity, what's wrong with playing in the spring? Nobody said they were going to cancel. They just said they want to move it back. And for those two sport athletes, well, you have to make a decision on one of them sooner or later anyway. So we can't have our cake and eat it too. We're in a freaking pandemic, okay, where everybody's life has changed. Yeah. I, uh, you know, you have grown, grown children. My son just being seven years old, it was a very easy decision to just say, you know what? You're seven. You, you don't need to be out there playing baseball or whatever this year i know he missed out on doing basketball camps and stuff that he had planned on doing this summer but 
for the people that I see that have to get their kids out there, their seven, eight, nine-year-olds out there, it's just why? What's the reason? You think at eight well, years old that there's going to be a college coach sitting here and looking at your kid and saying, I, I need to keep my eye on this kid for the next 10 years? It's just, you know, well, you can be a parent and take your kid out and do stuff with him. You don't need him to be at the park and rec just to have him give him something to do. Here's the other thing that comes into this that people don't want to acknowledge. Just because you don't have it doesn't mean you can't get it. And if it doesn't affect you in the manner it could affect another family member, because we're seeing that it has a different impact on different people. And, you know, heaven forbid, if you took it home to a grandparent or an elder person or someone whose immune system you didn't know couldn't handle it. I mean, there's just so many pitfalls to it that we want to rush to judgment on something that we don't even know enough about. And that's my concern. Yeah. Hey, uh, we were talking about uh, Herb Street, Fowler. The college football still doesn't seem like it's here. I agree with you. It doesn't, it just doesn't seem. And I think it's because, you know, the SEC hasn't started yet. You didn't get those big primetime matchups at a neutral site, Labor Day weekend. I don't know what it's going to, you haven't had any big 10 teams play pac 12 teams. None of these, you know, a lot of the powerhouses haven't even stepped onto the field yet. I don't know what it's going to take for me to feel like college football is here, but it, it hasn't happened yet as they're two weeks into I guess yeah. three weeks into the season. And I, I, what is it? No, not this weekend, but the following weekend. Is that when the sec starts up 26th? Yeah. And, and I agree with you, Joe. Um, I think they're also missing. I think if there's one sport that relies on the emotion of fans, it's college football, the bands and all the pageantry that comes with it. Uh, and just the intensity. Uh, I, I think, I think it's a different animal than the NFL. The NFL is about, uh, perfection, fine tuned players. Uh, college is more about emotion and growth. And this is a situation that we're dealing with now. And I think because we don't see that sort of stuff, it kind of makes it feel empty. Yeah. Uh, I was watching a little bit of the Notre Dame game and, you know, they scored a touchdown and I'm waiting on a leprechaun to run out there in the band and wake up the echoes. And, you know, none of that was going on uh, to the level that we've been accustomed to. And I, and I really think that that's what's missing in college football. Now, you know, the SEC knowing them, man, they'll, hell, they'll let everybody in next week. All right. I mean, I don't think they, I know that they are trying to be safety conscious, but you just look at how some of these states that they're in are run and some of them are burning to the ground and they they just feel like there's nothing wrong. So who knows how that's going to unfold. Uh, Before we uh, move on and uh, wrap things up here on lunch with Klaibs and Joe, uh, Ryan Kelly, one of our sponsors, the Home Loan Expert. Find him online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Mortgage rates are are pretty great right now, Klaibs. They are incredible, uh, some under two. Uh, And the neat thing about Ryan Kelly is the fact that you can call or go online and apply and know what you're dealing with money-wise. I mean, a lot of people who've never made the investment in a home there's a lot of legwork that comes with it. And if you know you're already in pocket and you know what you can spend and you know they can turn it around and close you in less than 30 days, uh, that's a good feeling to have. And they have great experience with it. Uh, they made it a quick and efficient manner that uh, a lot of people would, would really appreciate this stage of our lives. So if you're not sure and you need to talk to somebody who really understands the industry and can give you some direction and make sure that your paperwork is right, I'd start with a home loan expert, Ryan Kelly. You can go online and check him out, or you can give him a call as well. 
Um, but certainly they are where it starts and for a lot of people where it finishes when it comes to purchasing your home, which, in my opinion, is the second biggest investment you're going to make other than your family. And uh, right now, Ryan is training for his sixth annual Climb for the yeah. Kids. Uh, September 23rd through the 27th is when he's doing that. You can uh, find out all the information for that at climbforthekids.com. He's uh, right now he's live in Colorado. He's been posting a lot of videos. If you go to the climb for the kids uh, Facebook page and find all the details about uh, about that. It's a uh, one of the great things that he does. Ryan always giving back to the community. No doubt about it. And I'm excited for him and uh, I know he'll do well and raise a lot of money. Hey, we're winding down to the end of the NBA and the NHL season. It looks like, uh, I'll just quickly, NHL, it looks like our finals are going to be the Lightning against the Stars. Both are up three games to one in their conference finals. I can't imagine the NHL is too happy about Tampa and Dallas being their uh, their final two cities. Well, you know what? They'd be happier. They'd be, be you know, they're happy in one sense because – You've got a Florida market. You've got a Texas market. Can you imagine if, and, and, I'm, and here's my point, the NBA's numbers suffered last year in the finals because they had a Canadian team in it, and those numbers don't show up in the book. Uh, Dallas and Tampa uh, are two teams that probably should have been playing in Stanley Cup finals last year. Tampa gets knocked off in the first round. The Blues knock off Dallas. They both made some subtle adjustments. I think for hockey fans, it'll be a very entertaining series. And for people who are ratings conscious, don't worry about it. You know, those are fringe people anyway. Hockey fans are going to watch. Now, here's the question for you. Will Blues fans watch? And and the reason why I say that is the numbers for hockey go way down once their team is out of the playoffs. And this is where the NBA just crushes the NHL in St. Louis because people follow the NBA more than people would be willing to admit. But you've got a St. Louis impact uh, to uh, you've got well, Ben Bishop doesn't play anymore. But, you know, Rick Bonus started his career with the St. Louis Blues. He replaced uh, Jim Montgomery, who started his career with the St. Louis Blues. And then on the other side is there's our buddy Pat Maroon. And you also have uh, John Cooper, who started his coaching career. Uh, coaching junior a blues here in st louis as well or not the blues they was i forgot the name of the team they were but he was coaching that team so uh, a lot of st louis flavor to it i will try and watch as much as i can uh, and i think it'll be a good series i'll tell you what's going to ruin some of the ratings as uh my powers keeps flashing on and off not sure what's happening here if you could see that what's going to crush We're the rating get amber in illinois over there and I, get you straight now I use Ameren, Illinois, so we need to. Uh, I need to hit him up and find out what's happening here. Uh, one thing that might crush the NHL ratings is a guy that's playing in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals right now. Jason Tatum is the uh, Celtics and the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. We have a Game 7 before we make it to the Western Conference Final. Lakers are already in. Is it Game 7 tomorrow night between the Nuggets and the Clippers? Is it tomorrow or tonight? Is it tonight? After I, I can't imagine they're going up against Monday Night Football, oh, right? Oh, you're right. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Yeah, it's tomorrow. Uh, game one of yeah. Heat and Celtics is also tomorrow. Yeah. So you have a game one and a game seven. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, you know, Denver is a very entertaining team to watch. I, I think that they match up. They they ran across the right team because the Clippers don't want to play defense. 
and uh, they're paying a severe price. But they had one of the best players in the game in Kawhi Leonard. He's the only guy that's willing to guard. Um, it's going to be a, a battle, but I, I like the Clippers by a little bit because of their experience. Uh, Denver's just happy to be at the party right now, so we'll see how that unfolds. And on the other side, you've got uh, Boston and Milwaukee. Should be a good series. Um, oh, Boston-Miami. Boston-Miami, yeah. yeah. And uh, Miami's a good, well-coached team, good defensively. And uh, they'll make it. They'll make it hard for Jason Tatum in the Celtics. By the, by the way, uh, Giannis uh, he unfollowed everybody, all of his Milwaukee Buck teammates on Instagram. Is that something you ever thought that you were going to have to follow when it came to covering sports? That's why I don't follow it. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I, I get it. You know, sometimes you just want to step away from it, man. I mean, you know the. Social media can be very addictive, and sometimes you need to step away from it. Uh, I know he's disappointed. I'm sure there are whispers about him in Milwaukee. I was talking to somebody today about that, and they don't know what the future holds on whether they'll be able to keep that thing together or not. So he just probably needed a break, and and I certainly understand. Yeah. It's, uh, again, it's one of those uh, – as the rumors are swirling about him going to Golden State, I – after How are they going to pay him? That's how they're gonna pay him. They got you, you, you're paying Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green, all of them making over 20 million bucks. Yeah, Steph's making 40. The cap is flat. I don't see how that works. Yeah, that's as I, you know, Draymond Green probably. Plus, here's the other thing he doesn't fit that team, he can't shoot, right. You know, when Durant was there, you know, and I know they make the the, the similarity, they, they make the comparisons, but Durant could shoot. He could score. Durant got so much heat for going there. I can't imagine you're going to see another star player like Giannis want to go follow that. Who knows? Uh, you I, don't know I who's pulling the strings on also, that. Also, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks and you let somebody go with the talent of Giannis, you can never live that down again. Well, they did it once. They let a guy named uh, Lou Alcindor go to the Lakers. Right. <laughs> so it's happened before. Right. Uh, hey, you got anything lined up uh, this week interview-wise? Chris Chris Landry was scheduled to visit with later in the week if we can get him in between double headers at some right. point. It seems like I'm going to be knee-deep in those for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Just You know what? Just worry about lining all that stuff up uh, mid to late October, all those interviews as you uh, <laughs> you focus on all the uh, the Cardinal stuff for hopefully the next, uh, next few weeks. I hope uh, so. Yeah. This has been uh, Lunch with Klaibs and Joe. By the way, I'll, uh, we'll keep having the This Day in Cardinal history up every day all the way through the end of the season. I'll be doing the Daily Cardinal show with Polo, so plenty of content up online each and every day on Klaibs Online. Uh, this has been powered by Ameren, Illinois, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota, and also financed by the Home Loan Experts. Ryan Kelly, find him online at thehomeloanexpert.com. He is Mike Clayboard. I am Joe Roderick. Listen to him. Uh, well, I, I, how many times this week? How many games? What, 10 games this week? On, uh, <laughs> on I've, lost, I've lost track. <laughs> have, a, uh, have a wonderful broadcast. We'll talk to you next week. Goodbye, everybody. All right.